Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Michelle Kwan, Vice President of Public Sector Security Solutions at the security firm RSA, and until this summer, Director of the United States Computer Emergency Readiness Team, part of the Department of Homeland Security. U.S. CERT analyzes and reduces cyber threats and vulnerabilities in the federal networks, disseminates cyber threat warnings, and coordinates national incident response activities. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. How safe are government IT systems? They're as safe as all IT systems. It's hard to gauge the security of of systems just as a, a whole general swath. Federal government has many different kinds of IT systems that support many different kinds of missions, some that are very well kept, some that have some issues, just like uh, any other sector in business. So what worries you the most about threats to government digital assets and the nation's critical IT infrastructure? What worries me the most is how we think about our IT systems and therefore how we protect them. We often think about them as just that, computers and assets, when we really need to be thinking of them as an integral part of the mission. And I think what's important is that we look at the fact that we're protecting the missions, the the actual work that is being done on these systems, and that the systems are just inconsequential. When you think about it in those terms, then the right people get involved with the protection of these systems. Sometimes the systems are not funded adequately, therefore their lifecycle management isn't done regularly because they're not thought of as a very important part of the mission and they're just relegated off to some IT department. I think when we change our thinking about how we fund these systems and how we care for these systems, a lot of the vulnerabilities that are being exploited today will be taken care of through lifecycle management. That's what worries me the most, that we're trying to fight this fight with some big fancy tool when we really should be looking at the low-hanging fruit and the real reason as to why why these systems are in the condition they are in and how we can easily solve the problem. How do you change that culture in government? I think it's changing slowly but surely. You can see a lot of really good work being done at a lot of agencies today to change that around, to change the way we do risk assessment from risk to the the asset, changing that to the risk to the mission. You see that a lot in different agencies. You see a lot of good work being done at the State Department by John Strayford. A lot of work, good work being done at, at DOJ and, and IRS, all in that same vein of moving towards protecting a mission and making the mission more productive and successful. I think that's really encouraging to see. You also see that in the financial sector, coming out of government, looking at the private sector, the financial sector has been doing this for a long time because they realize that the losses they feel are financial losses. And therefore, it's easier to see that really hard to see return on investment from doing IT security. You really see that return on investment when your loss is actually monetary. Sometimes that's harder to see when it's something more abstract, but it's encouraging that we're moving in that direction. How about the role of Congress in all of this? Well, Congress is very involved and very uh, excited about cyber, I should say. As you probably know, there are many, many draft bills up on the Hill today that are pointed towards cyber, and you can see lots of different articles and lots of different members making comments on cyber, some that are very good and some that are not quite on spot yet. That's encouraging. When you look at the way government works, you know, we are a constitutional government. It does take legislation to codify any type of initiative or position. So the fact that they're involved, engaged, and becoming more educated is important for moving forward in, in cyber.
You mentioned an interesting point about codifying maybe certain practices in legislation, and, and there's some debate going on whether it's necessary or not. For example, there's a, a major bill before the Senate now to uh, update FISMA, the Federal Information Security Management Act. You mentioned John Stryford, and what he's doing at the State Department seems to be doing things that are appropriate even without updating the law. Are changes in laws necessary? I'm a full believer that changes in the law are not necessary. I think that the current FISMA legislation probably covers 99% of what we need. The problem is the implementation of the current legislation is not what we need. Unless we change that implementation, it won't be right. And sometimes the easiest way to change something that's been implemented so poorly is to make slight tweaks to make it stronger. And the new draft bill that updates that bill does attempt to make those changes. Is it perfect? No, not yet. Is it close? Probably. I'm not sure that we actually need to pass that, though, although I'm sure it probably will at some point go through. That's why I applaud what John's doing. It's really important to note that the agencies, and it's not just John, it's it's a lot of the other big cabinet agencies are also moving and changing the way they do IT security so that it is still compliant to the, the letter of the law as written in FISMA, but more actionable, where they're actually relating what's happening to them in incidents back to the hygiene of their networks and the health and, and security settings in their networks. That's critical and important. That's what we were missing in FISMA. FISMA was actually a great thing. It moved us very far ahead of the game by bringing security to the forefront, making us think about it, making us establish policies and controls. Problem was we probably picked some of the wrong controls because we weren't relating that back to the actual events that were happening on our networks. But we've learned from that lesson, and you can see the departments and agencies setting up their security operations centers understanding the events that are happening on their network, and then relating them back to security controls that they need to implement. We're speaking in mid-December, and President Obama still hasn't named a cybersecurity coordinator nearly seven months after he promised to do so. And, and you sort of indicated in your earlier comments maybe some leadership that's needed to get agencies to step up their activities to secure IT. Uh, what damage to the government, if any, does that vacancy create? And is such a position really needed? I really don't feel like it creates any damage. I mean, I think that's kind of an over <laughs> overkill. The big gap that we're missing in the government is collaboration and coordination between the departments and agencies and a national level. How I like to think of that is we need governance structure, a defined governance structure with defined authorities. Does that mean a cyber czar? Maybe. Does it not mean a cyber czar? Maybe. I think what's important is that we get that governance structure in place and we give the authorities to the people that need it in that governance structure so that we're moving in the right direction. I don't want anyone to think that we're not doing anything now because that is totally false. I read that in the paper and it makes me kind of shiver because the long and the short of it is there are a lot of people in these departments and agencies that are working really hard making good progress in securing our government networks is not appointing the cyber czar a problem. I think it's just a press problem at this point. Even if we were to appoint a cyber czar, that position is not codified through legislation, and there has been no presidential directive giving that position authority. So there's a lot of work that has to be done besides just appointing someone. Again, that governance structure has to be established from the White House, DHS, departments and agencies, CIO Council, how all of those players fit together, what the hierarchy is, and who has what authority needs to be cleared up and established in order for that to work. So it's a lot more than just, I'm going to appoint a cyber czar. We have to cut a new president some slack. He's got a lot of initiatives on his plate right now. 
Do you think his cybersecurity policy review report uh, sort of outlines the beginning of that structure with or without the cybersecurity coordinator? Are you referring to the 60-day review? Yes, the report he issued after the 60-day review. The 60-day review did not did not outline a governance structure. And you think it's incumbent on the president or his office be the place where the structure should originate from? I think that it's something that everyone should work together to figure out what the best structure is. If you look at how these things work, it's usually legislation that codifies something like that, unless it's just for one presidency. The president puts together something like that, just like this Bush put together the CMCI. It's only good for his administration unless codified in legislation. That's the way our government works. It's not the way we think it should be. It's the way our government works and how it happens. You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done per the Constitution. There's a lot of ways that yeah, with the CIO Council and with the White House and with DHS and with Congress, they can work this out and put together a perfectly fine structure and then present it to the president, which is the way I think it should be. You mentioned a few times DHS. You used to work at DHS when you were at U.S. CERT. Some lawmakers have proposed giving the Department of Homeland Security more authority over civilian agency cybersecurity, including the reviewing of civilian agencies' IT security budgets. And even one senator proposed putting the so-called cybersecurities are in DHS and not the White House. But what's your take on the DHS's current role and growing role in cybersecurity? DHS has a lot on its plate right now in regards to cybersecurity. It's a new department and has a lot of of growing and maturing to do, and I'm not sure it's the right thing to put all of our eggs in one basket. The way the government's set up today, different agencies have different strengths, and they already work in those areas. For example, State Department already works in the international arena. Why would we put international cyber in another agency? I think we need to look at the departments and agencies and their strengths in working in the different sectors and areas and use the collaboration of our government to be a stronger government. Uh, We already have relationships and intellectual knowledge in each one of these departments and agencies, and I think that's why I say it's important that we understand how we collaborate as a government to make this work instead of setting up one siloed entity to be cyber. If we're going to look at cyber as something that supports our missions, then we need to put the support of it into the mission support agencies. For example, people that want to work with the financial sector, that should be in Treasury Department. Cyber that we're going to work with, international cyber policies and treaties and relationships, that should be in the State Department. Just taking everything and dumping it into DHS is actually going to hurt the cause instead of helping it. Sounds like you have a very good argument for a cybersecurity coordinator in the White House. It has to be coordinated somewhere, and whether the coordination comes out of DHS or whether the coordination comes out of the White House, it does have to be done. I don't think where it is is as important as that it is defined well and that the governance structure is laid out and that the coordination and the collaboration is really the first thing in their mind so that this can really be actionable. It's really a management issue. Your departure from uh, U.S. CERT, along with those of Rod Beckstrom as director of the DHS's National Cybersecurity Center, and Melissa Hathaway, who conducted the 60-day cybersecurity review for President Obama, have been held up as examples of the administration's failure to find and keep top-notch cybersecurity leaders. What do you think of that assessment? I think we all left for different reasons, and I think that's a pretty broad-sweeping, inaccurate statement. We were all three very different individuals that left for very different personal reasons. I don't believe grouping the three of us together is is accurate at all. Do you think the government's done a good job in attracting the right people, good people to help with cybersecurity? Well, I think it's difficult right now. Yes, I do think they have some very talented people. The CyberCorp program, 
which I was a part of. They're getting very talented young people out of college and out of grad school every year. That's a wonderful program that has proven to be very fruitful for the government. In addition to that, they've gotten many people from the private sector. I mean, just look at the, who DHS brought in to run cyber there. Bill Ranger is, has a wonderful reputation, came from Microsoft, very talented individual. So they're definitely recruiting talented individuals today. So that's an overreaction statement that the press has been making. Could it be better? It could be better. It could be better everywhere. There is a shortage in general for IT security professionals. You have to look at the root cause of what that is, and part of the root cause is over the past 10 years, there's been a rapid decline in computer science majors. In fact, many universities have closed their computer science departments. If you look at that root cause, we have a problem. We also have issues in the government that if, if the governance structure isn't clearly laid out and if there is question as to where cyber is going to go, of course, people will question whether or not they want to go there. There's also the age-old problem of the government has always paid significantly less than the private sector. There are a lot of different problems that both sides of the house have in keeping good cyber professionals, um, whether it's pay, whether it's lack of that talent of people coming out of the universities, or even if it's lack of good substantive work. And, you know, sometimes that happens on, on both sides of the house. It's a more complicated problem than just making a, a broad sweeping statement. You mentioned the fact that there is a decline in computer science enrollment. What kind of risks does that present our nation at the moment and in the future? It's more than just in the security realm, if you think about it. I mean, if you look at where a lot of our software development and a lot of the technology development is going overseas, we really need to do something about bringing computer science back to our universities and educating more Americans in this field if we want to keep the field alive here in the U.S. It's more than just security. It's also in, in software development and upkeep and technology advancement in general. We really need to, to look at how to bolster that in the universities. And a lot of that's stemming from math issues. We have to learn how to encourage our students from an early age to love math and embrace math because that's a lot of the decline in CS is a lot of students don't want to take the math that's required in computer science. So we have to look back on, on our education system and see how we can, can bolster that, that love of mathematics. You've worked on government as a cybersecurity leader now doing the same in the private sector. What's the role of the federal government? What's the role of the private sector to ensure the protection of the nation's critical IT infrastructure? I don't know that there is a clearly defined role for the government. Remember, private sector is just that, privately owned, and not necessarily owned by a U.S. company. So does the government today have the right to do more than give them advice or share information with them? I don't believe so. I believe there's enough work that we have to do in sharing information with private sector and working together with them to help solve these problems. I think the government needs to turn inward and focus on the government for a little while as well. There are those who would say, though, that they're concerned that with some businesses, especially those who may operate, say, utilities that are crucial to the economy of this country, that the operators of those utilities or some of those utilities may be more interested in profit than maybe long-term security needs and that the government needs to at least have some form of regulation to make sure that they do secure those systems to protect our economy, and they feel that's an appropriate role for government to play. It's a possibility, but I don't think we know enough about that. To, at least I don't know enough about that to, to make a, a substantive comment about it. And I'm not sure that we have focused in on determining what they do and don't do. I'd just be hesitant to move in that direction rapidly. I think we need to get the governance structure down. We need to get federal government running correctly, and, and then we can branch out and look at private sector. Well, I enjoyed talking with you, Michelle.
Enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. And thank you. I've been speaking with Michelle Kwan, a vice president at RSA and the former director of U.S. CERT. I'm Eric Chabro for GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.